<laughs> all right, it's all good. Let's take your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, we, of course, are getting ready to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, going to the month of December. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, doing some preaching on uh, the different aspects of the Christmas story and, and excited about that. I kind of love this time of year where we can do some of that. But uh, uh, today I want to bring something that I pray kind of be a blessing to you. Again, a little bit of maybe um, a mindset going into the Christmas season and especially coming off of uh, uh, what, uh, I guess, this last... Last week, uh, the, the world has, I guess, turned it into uh, the biggest shopping day of the year, right? Black Friday, and uh, I don't ever remember that being a thing when I was a kid, but I guess it's a thing now, and uh, I didn't do Black Friday shopping, all right? And uh, But uh, I, w- I want to talk about this this morning. How about this? How to have everything you want. Man, finally, the preacher's going to tell us, right, how to have everything you want. Man, we've been waiting for this message. I hope you still think that way afterwards. Amen? All right, First Timothy chapter 6. If you find your place, stand with me together. As uh, I'm going to read the, the passage here, beginning in verse 6. I'll read down through verse 11. First Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. The Bible says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith uh, uh, be content. Be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for, Lord, just all you do for us and how good and wonderful and great you are, God. We're thankful for the gathering here today of your people. And, and again, Lord, as we uh, look around and, and uh, see all that you've done here, we just want to uh, reflect that praise back to you. And we're thankful, God, and, and we're appreciative. Now, meet with us, we pray. I pray that you'd speak to us. And Lord, as I pray every week, if someone doesn't know you as their personal Savior, they would uh, accept you today before it's eternally too late. Those of us that are saved, I pray we'd Allow the Word of God to change us and help us and help us to be what you'd uh, want for us to be. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. How to have everything you want. Now, folks, let me just start off by saying this. And I like to emphasize this because it's true. Amen. When you go through the Bible, uh, you know what you find about God? God is a capitalist. All right. Okay. God, there's uh, there's nothing wrong uh, with having things. There's nothing wrong with uh, having, uh, you know, uh, things of this world, uh, uh, material things. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I'm pretty blessed in my life. You know what? I, the Lord's allowed me to live in a nice house, and and uh, He's taken care of my family, and He hasn't just provided our needs; He's also provided some of our wants. And let me just say this, folks: God's a good God, Amen. And He takes care of His children. So, as I preach this message this morning, I don't want you to think that God is against us having some things. But let me say this: What God is against is for things to have us. For us to get consumed in our life with things and don't do what the Bible says and seek first the kingdom of God. 
And the problem is, what I find out in life, it's not so much that, uh, you know, we have too much of a heart for God. We have too much of a heart for this world. Amen? And that's true with all of us to some extent. So I want to kind of preach a message this morning that will help us have the right mindset going into the Christmas season where it seems like, you know, I've I've already heard uh, articles, Christmas is ruined this year uh, because we won't have as much stuff to buy. Let me just say this, folks. We would be better off if all those container ships stay out in the ocean, all right? I'm going to tell you, folks, if you think, if we think that our kids aren't going to have a good Christmas because, you know, we can't spend, you know, all this amount of money on them, we have no idea what this thing's all about anyway. Amen? And I'm afraid as Christians, if we're not careful, we get sucked into this, this thing that the world's all concerned about, and that's stuff and materialism. And so, again, God's not against us having some of that stuff, but He is against that kind of stuff having us, all right? So let's talk about this this morning, how to have everything you want. A Springfield neighbor was drawn to his door one day by the sound of crying children. When he got there, he saw Abraham Lincoln passing by with his two sons, both crying loudly. What's the matter with the boys, the man asked. Same thing that's the matter with the whole world, said Lincoln. I have three walnuts and each boy wants two, right? (laughs) Never enough. After reading the story of the rich man in Lazarus, a Sunday school teacher asked her class, Now that you've heard the story, who would you rather be, the rich man or Lazarus? A little boy raised his hand and answered, The rich man while I'm alive and Lazarus when I die, right? <laughs> you know what truth be uh, uh, told folks is this. Because of our fallen sin nature, mankind is plagued by selfishness and greed. By the way, you know what that, that happens when, when people get sucked into that? It creates a lot of unhappiness and frustration. You know, uh, sad to say, our lack of godliness as Christians seldom bother us, but our lack of things seem to drive us crazy. Right? Isn't that sometimes a sad truth? And so, what is the answer? How can you have everything you want? I'm going to tell you this morning. You ready? Here it is. Want everything you already have. Amen? How do you have everything you want? Want everything you already have. Notice what we read in our verse, or in our passage there, when it says that godliness with contentment is great gain. So let's talk about these things this morning. Godliness and contentment. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. I've heard stories before of people being buried in their Cadillacs, uh, people being buried, you know, with, with all these things uh, in their casket. Well, folks, I'll just say this. You can be buried with anything you want to be buried with, but none of that stuff's going with you. In fact, the only thing that's going with you is the stuff you've already sent ahead. And the Bible tells us we can do that, amen? Uh, lay up treasures in heaven. So let's, let, let's look at this thing about godliness and contentment. Well, notice what we see there in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We see this, some suppose that gain is godliness. That's what, that's what some people think. You know what? If I have this and I have that, then surely that is some kind of godliness. Now, folks, listen, it is true that because we have things, you know, it's the blessings of God. It's the mercy of God. But just because you have stuff doesn't necessarily mean that you're godly, right? 
Psalms chapter 73, well, I won't have you turn over there, but the psalmist was talking about the wicked. Here's what he says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone, and my steps had had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish, notice this, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Isn't that interesting? Verse 12 of Psalm chapter 73, Behold, these are the ungodly, listen to this, who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. So one of the things here that was dominant in the life of the ungodly was that they had riches in this life. Now again, I'm not equating riches with ungodliness, but all I'm saying is this, just because you have riches doesn't necessarily make you godly. The Bible says this, godliness with contentment is great gain. By the way, notice what it says, great gain. And this proper mindset does not produce great materialistic gain, but it produces great gains in character and personal happiness. By the way, folks, let me just say this. Some of the richest people I've met in life don't have a lot of material things. But you know what? They're rich. They're rich in the things that truly matter. That truly matter. Have you ever heard of this name before? I've used it as an illustration. Maybe you've heard me say it, but if you haven't heard me say it, you've probably never heard of this name, Jack Whitaker. Anyone ever heard of that name before, other than maybe if I've given an illustration? Who's Jack Whitaker? Well, in 2002, Jack Whitaker, up to that moment in time, was the largest lotto winner in U.S. history. Jack Whitaker well, lived in West Virginia, and he was already a successful businessman, but he won $314.9 million at that time in the biggest jackpot in the United States. After taxes, and he took a, a, a lump a, a payout, he pocketed over $113 million. Now, if in our minds, we would think to ourselves, man, if I just had $113 million, I would be happy. Well, I mean, I wouldn't mind trying it out, I guess, but uh, <laughs> how did it work out for Jack Whitaker? Well, it's pretty interesting if you read about his life, because as soon as he got that money, things started not going up, spiraling downward in his life. He had tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, so much to so, they interviewed him one time, and here's what Jack Whitaker said. He said, if I had to do it all over again, I would have tore up the ticket. He said, I I was more happy, more content, less problems before I had all the riches. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that that would be uh, what your life would be like if you had some of that stuff. But I'm going to say this, folks. Truth be told, that stuff does not produce happiness in life. Some of the most miserable people I know are people that have everything seemingly that the world says we ought to be pursuing after. You know what, truth be told, folks, the Bible says this. Godliness with contentment is not just gain, is great gain. By the way, how much would you pay for peace of mind? How much would you pay for being able to lay your head uh, on your pillow at night and have sweet rest and sweet sleep? I mean, come on, folks. I mean, it's not just about the things we gain in this life. How about this? Contentment is the result of a traveler's mentality. I love that. A tra- what are you talking about, preacher? A traveler's mentality. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what that is. Here's what the Bible says, beginning in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11. These all died in faith. Talking about our, our, our Christian forefathers. Not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and notice here, and con- confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. 
And truly, if they'd been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire, notice this, a better country. That is, heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Notice that, I love this. For He hath prepared for them a city. And by the way, not just for them, but for anybody that's a born-again child of God. Amen? And truth be told, folks, listen to me. Uh, we're, as the, as the song goes, this world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. Amen? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And you know what we must have in this Christian life as we're living our life on this earth? A traveler's mentality, folks. Our citizenship is in heaven. By the way, we're going to live there way longer than we're living here. And so contentment is the result of understanding that. How about this? Contentment protects us from the destructive sin of covetousness. And that's what we read in 1 Timothy chapter 6. But they that, notice what the Bible says, they that will be rich. You know what that means? That means nothing is going to stop them. That's their only goal in life is to be rich. They that will be rich. Now again, folks, you know what I found out is this. If you'll apply Bible principles in life and you'll live according to the financial principles of the Word of God, God's probably going to bless your finances. Okay? And you know what? You probably are going to have some material things of this life. But again, what is it about? Is, is it like what it says in 1 Timothy there? We will be rich. Listen, it doesn't matter. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care uh, what it's going to do. I'm going to have these types of things. That kind of mentality, by the way, is destructive. Because here's what the Bible says about that. will fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And by the way, don't misquote the verse. I've heard some people say that money's the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. Let me tell you what money is, folks. It's a tool. Okay? Money's neutral. All right? It doesn't really mean much. It's just how it's used is what's meant. Amen? No, what the, what's the Bible say? For the love of money. Again, they that will be rich. The love of money. By the way, truth be told, you know where our love ought to be? First and foremost, our love ought to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where our love ought to be. Our love ought to be where God says it ought to be. And so contentment protects us from the destructive sin of covetousness. The Bible warns us, fall into temptation and a snare, fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts, drown men in destruction and perdition, root of all evil, erred from the faith, pierced them through with many sorrows. I don't know about y'all, I don't want that stuff in my life. Amen? I don't want that. So you know what we can do as Christians, Dan? We must learn to battle against this sin. And by the way, truth be told, it's a part of our nature. You know what? By nature, folks, we know this is true. We are selfish. We are proud. We're covetous by nature. That's just our sin fallen nature. All right? But you know what the Bible tells us to do? Instead of being coveting, let's be content. So let's talk about again this and see how that we can, uh, we can battle against this. Covetousness in the, in the Bible is identified as an evil thing. Mark chapter 7, Jesus said this, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Man, Jesus didn't pull any punches, did He not? Man, Jesus looked at, at the people He was preaching to and says, let me tell you what's inside of you. 
And he totally hit the nail on the head. And by the way, that wasn't just true for them, that's true for us as well. Amen? All that stuff is true. You know why? Because we live in the flesh, that's why. We all have this flesh we got to contend with. And all of those things are in all of us. And the Bible says it's an evil thing. So what we must do? Confront that. Understand that. Realize that's part of our fallen nature. Covetousness comes from an unbiblical view of what life is really about. Jesus said this. I love this, uh, this quote from Jesus. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You know what? Someone needs to uh, uh, broadcast that across loudspeakers in America because a lot of times people think that other people's worth is based upon what they have or what they don't have. Let me tell you something, folks. God looks at things different than mankind does. And when God considers someone's worth, He does not look one bit at the things that they possess. By the way, every soul is important and worth something to God. Amen? The ground's level at the cross. He died for every single person. doesn't matter their skin color. doesn't matter where they come from. And let me just say, everyone's important to God. Amen? But it's not about what a person has or does not have. That's not what considers uh, to God people's value. Much of the world absolutely believes that the purpose of life is to see how much money they can earn and how many things they can accumulate. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that said, He who dies with the most toys wins? Guess what, folks? That is not true. Not true. Amen. By the way, I just I, when I was reading about Jack Whitaker yesterday, he passed away in June of 2020. And you know what? All that money that he had, guess what? Not doing him any good today. Not doing, and by the way, based upon in, on his life, if you read his testimony, he wasn't a Christian. Okay, you think that's doing him any good today? Absolutely not. But you know what? Too many times people are focused and all about what I can get, what I can get, what I can get. And you know what, folks? That does not bring real meaning to life. You know, something interesting else you find out about covetousness is that a lot of times covetousness in the Bible is linked to immorality. That's interesting. Ephesians chapter 5. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. By the way, we ought to be focused on that. Amen? Walking in love and focused on those types of things. But, here we go. Fornication, all uncleanliness, and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. Isn't that interesting? That God, within the sins of immorality, listed the sin of covetousness? By the way, you know why? Because covetousness is just an, is a stepping stone to that type of sin. That's why. Amen? And so when the Bible says it pierces you through with many hurtful things, I think God knows what He's talking about. Amen? Covetousness is simply a disguised version of idolatry. Colossians chapter 3, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Again, you know what that word mortify means? Guess what English word comes from the word, or, or, or the, that word there, mortify. You know what that's talking about? Mort, uh, morticians, right? Death, putting something to death, killing something. Amen? And the Bible says that we must kill, put to death, our members which are upon the earth, what are they? He names them for us. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Amen? Now listen, folks, God gets very nitty-gritty when He's talking about this stuff. He's not pulling any punches. He's telling us and warning us of the sin of covetousness. You say, come on, preacher, it's, it's almost the Christmas time, and you're preaching all this stuff to us today? Absolutely right. Amen? 
Because we as Christians need to be reminded of these things and understand what this time of year is all about. And it's just not about going here, going there, and getting, getting, and getting. Amen? Alright? And we need to learn this thing of contentment. So there you go. There is the introduction to the message. Now here we go. You ready? Here's the meat and bones. Here's what you came for today. Here's the practical application. Let's talk about this. The liberty of contentment. By the way, I love that. The liberty. You know what that means? That means being free. Freedom. The freedom, the liberty of contentment. And how we can make sure that this is a great gain in our life. Let me give you three simple uh, practical points of application this morning that will help us in this area of contentment. All right, Number one, instead of wishing for a different circumstance, work on your present circumstance. Okay, let me say that again. Instead of wishing for a different circumstance, work on your present circumstance. Take your Bible. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's turn over there for a minute. All right, you're in uh, 1 Timothy. If you flip back a couple books, uh, you'll get to Philippians. Philippians. Notice what he says here in Philippians chapter 4. And... um, Let me find my place there. There we go. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Notice what he says. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, how that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but she lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Notice here what he says here. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You say, you know what? What's this have to do with contentment? Well, you know what, folks? You know what Paul was saying here? He said, listen to me. I've learned to be content in every situation. By the way, if, if you can, if you can work on your present circumstance, change it. Well, I don't like my job. I don't like my house. I don't like my marriage. So you quit your job, you sell your house, you divorce your spouse. Okay? You could do those things, I guess, if you wanted to. Or or you can work on your present circumstance. Hey, instead of looking for something better, make better what you already have. Let me say that again. Instead of looking for something better, make better what you already have. Man, I can't believe how much things that Americans, we just waste. We just throw stuff away. You know what? Well, well, I'm done with that. Just chuck it out. Again, I say this often, but as Americans, we only make up 4.5% of the world's population, but we produce 20% of the world's garbage. Think about that for a minute. Tell you what kind of wasters we are as Americans. Now, folks, let me just say this. When it comes to the circumstances that you've been dealt in life, Okay, be content, and if you want something different, then work on that. Work on your present circumstance. By the way, you know what I found out in life is this. Sometimes the reason God's allow us to go through difficult things is because He's trying to get us to reach a higher level in our Christian life. Maybe the problem you're facing that you just want out of, maybe instead of God wanting to move that mountain, maybe He wants you to go over that mountain. How about that? Or maybe this, maybe instead of, uh, if you can't go over it, maybe He wants to help you tunnel through it. You know what, maybe God is just trying to help or teach us different things within our present circumstance so that we in turn can help somebody else. Amen? So instead of wishing for something different, work on your present circumstance. Amen? Instead of looking for something better, make better what you already have. Number two, how about this? Instead of wishing for wants, be thankful for necessities. 
Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, notice what he says here. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. By the way, you know why you can be content in your circumstances? Because we have everything we ever need, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let me just say this, all right? On our worst day as Americans, on the day where we think we're the poorest, we, are, we live like kings compared to most of the world. We live like kings. How many of you have ever been outside of the borders of the United States of America? Raise your hand. Okay? That's about half of us. All right? I have personally been to Mexico on three different missions trips uh, or three different times in my life. And uh, now one time we weren't very far in. We're just right across the border. Let me just say this. I don't care how far in you go. You cross the border. You realize you're quick. You're not in the U.S. anymore. I remember the first time I went when I was 15 years old and we took a missions trip. And uh, we, uh, uh, of course, you know, back in those days, we were just scraping enough money by to get, uh, uh, to get, or to get by. We didn't fly anywhere. We drove everywhere. So we drove from Jasonville, Indiana, all the way to San Antonio, Texas. Let's just, or I'm sorry, El Paso, Texas. That's way at the bottom. You talk about a trip, amen? You know, teenagers, you don't care. Being in a church van 15 hours, head bouncing off the wall, singing stupid songs. It doesn't matter. You're a teenager. You can do that, right? But I remember going to, uh, uh, down to El Paso, Texas, where we, we uh, uh, hooked up with the missionaries there. And then we took an eight-hour bus ride south into Mexico. And I'll never forget that trip. Man, you talk about impacting me as a teenager. As we went there, and we went to these different villages, and we began uh, ministering to folks and, and gathering crowds together, and, and those that could preach in the language would preach to them. And we'd, just, we'd, just, we'd stand back in awe as God would begin working amongst these precious dear folks down there. But I remember many different things about that trip. Just like it was yesterday, I remember that in my mind. One of the things I remember was when we were out in this town, we were handing out gospel tracts and invites to the service. Literally, folks, we were standing in the street. People were stopping their cars wanting what we had to give them. I mean, literally, cars, there was no police running trying to, you know, shooing, shooing the traffic on. They were just stopping because they wanted what we were trying to uh, give them and show, teach them about the Lord. I remember one time where we set up to do the service was right next to a, uh, a baseball park, and there was a Little League game going on. And literally, uh, one of the missionaries went over there, so that they could, once the game got out, they could um, uh, they could give out information. Oh no, the umpires stopped the game in the middle of it, and had the missionaries go out and start t- uh, talking to the parents and, and the young people. I mean, could you imagine that happening in America? I mean, God forbid you you interrupt someone's god of baseball, right? I mean, what in the world? But I remember that. I remember the people coming and flocking and their heart for the things of God. By the way, those people didn't have a quarter of the things we have in America. But you know what they were? Happy. They, they, were, they were smiling. I mean, literally, folks, unless you've seen it, you can't even fathom it, what people lived in where we saw. I'm talking about our animals, most of, most of them in America, live in better places than some of their homes were in. But yet they were happy. They were content. And you know what? What I did when I got back from that trip, I still remember it to this day. We came across the border and we stopped, uh, you know, us Americans, you know, we're eating in Mexico all week and they were cooking for us and did a great job, by the way. First place we stopped at back across the border, Golden Corral. Amen. All right. And I remember getting off the bus and literally falling to my knees and kissing the ground, thanking God 
for everything He done in my life. Everything that He allowed me to see, but then thanking God I'm an American. Amen? And, and, the, and the bountiful blessings that God has given us. And I believe at some point, if, if God would allow, and I know right now it's a little different than it was when I was a teenager. I mean, I, I personally, you know, don't have any desire to leave the borders right now uh, unless the Lord would have something else. But all that to say, I believe that, you know what, one of the best things you could do is visit a third world country and see how most of the world lives compared to how we live. I'm going to tell you right now, you see that, we won't be complaining because we got overcharged 50 cents at Walmart. Because they didn't have our favorite snack cake in. Oh, how dare they? I wanted the Christmas trees and they were all sold out of them, right? I mean, what's wrong with us as Americans? Amen? How about instead of wishing for once, be thankful for necessities? The number three, how about this? Instead of wishing for the temporal, how about we focus on the eternal? Focus on the eternal. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I hope I'm helping you this morning. This may not be a, a typical Sunday morning message I may preach, but I know the Lord wanted me to preach this this morning. And I pray it will help us as Christians uh, to get, get this idea of contentment. Again, I won't reread the whole passage that we read earlier, but I want to read a couple things here. Of course, goes through beginning in verse 6, talking about contentment. Verse 8, talking about having food and raiment. Let us be content. Talks about the, the dangers of riches and the love of money. And then at the end of all that, okay, notice what he says in verse 12, okay? The reason we need to lose our, 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 our focus on those things is because of this, verse 12. Because there's a fight worth fighting for, amen? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. You know what, you know what the, the, the emphasis of this passage is? Is this. Listen to me. Instead of being so focused on the temporal. By the way, everything that's temporal one of these days is going to burn up. Amen? Everything that's temporal. Those nice houses God's blessed us and that we're thankful for and that God allows us to live in and thank God for His provision and taking care of us in that way. But guess what, folks? One of these days, they're all going to burn. Those vehicles that God allowed us to drive up in the parking lot today, some nicer than others, especially if it's a Ford F-150, amen, compared to a red Dodge Ram. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, he's not even in here, man. Oh, there he is. I got him to finally peek around the corner, amen, Brother Mike. All right. All those vehicles that God blesses us with and allows us to enjoy, guess what? All going to burn. None of that stuff's going to matter 100 years from now. None of it. So you know what we need to do then as Christians? Instead of being so focused on the here and now, hey, why don't we focus on the eternal, amen? Why don't we fight the good fight of faith? Won't we lay hold on eternal life whereunto we are called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses? Notice what he says. He says to flee, and then he says to follow, amen? Now, most people are trying to figure out how to double their income. How about we do this? Why don't we be concerned about doubling our righteousness, doubling our godliness, doubling our faith, our love, our patience, our meekness? Amen? Amen. Why don't we be concerned about those things? By the way, here's a secret I found out in the Christian life that God has taught me. And I've said this to you before. I'm going to say it again because it's good. Amen? Here's what I've learned. Is if you will just as a Christian do what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen? Listen, folks. Lose hold on the things of this life. Lose hold on them. And you just go after God, begin serving God, and just say, Lord, Your will is the most important thing in my life. You would be amazed if you'll lose hold on the things of this life, the types of things God would give you. You know why? Because He knows He can trust you with them. That's why. 
Because he realizes that you're not going to get all consumed about him. You're not going to be all just, that's all we're going to be obsessed about and think about. And every waking moment is about this, 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 and this, the things of this life. And he realizes, hey, I got some kids that are concerned about my kingdom. I got some children that are concerned about trying to reach, uh, reach the people that I put in their life. I got some people that are concerned, uh, that like the things that I like. And when God sees that and can trust us with that, then you know what he'll say? Okay, well, I guess maybe I can trust you with some other stuff because that's not what's most important to you. Amen? And so church, listen, the, 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 the message this morning is that of contentment. Now again, don't get me wrong. I'm not against stuff. God's blessed me with stuff. I got stuff. I got more stuff than I'll ever need. Amen? And so do you. Right? And I understand, folks, listen, it's not about not having things. It's not about not having resources. In fact, if you study the Bible, some of God's most trusted servants had a lot of money. I mean, go back, read the Old Testament. Uh, look, look at Abraham. He was a rich man. David, Solomon, those, uh, Job. The Bible says of Job, he was the most righteous man on all the earth. He was also the richest man on all the land. It's not about God being against that kind of stuff. It's about, though, us being consumed with that kind of stuff. Amen? And understand and getting so consumed with the temporal that we do not live for the eternal. And so let me just encourage you, as we go through this, you know, Christmas season, if you will, and it seems to be a season where the world just keeps trying to go more over the top, more over the top, more over the top with this stuff. Hey, let's just learn to be content at this time. Amen? All right, let's just learn to be content, not be covetousness, or not, not be given into covetousness, so that we then can learn the true happiness of life. And that, of course, is contentment. So, hey, how do you have everything you want? You ready? Want everything you have. Amen? Want everything you have. Be content with the things God has given you. And let's make sure that we put God first and seek after godliness. Why? Because godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's